episode nine, right? Yeah. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out, yeah. Today is a new day, let's seize it now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life, yeah. Share my story with you, inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live, I keep episodes on replay, Hey, Real 45, yeah, Real 45, show them how we do it, man, yeah. All right, here we go. Welcome back, everybody. The Real 45 podcast. I'm here with uh, Stefan Janelle. I'm Greg Hancock, by the way, in case you didn't know, in case you care. So, uh, hey, Stefan, what's happening over there? Um, hey. <laughs> Ooh, it's all happening. Oh, everything is happening. It's soon Christmas. So it's... Um, we're out and catching Christmas uh, presents and trying to fix everything at work before Christmas because then everything dies, doesn't it? Everybody's on their holiday. I know. It's pretty cool like that. But you're you're catching or you're getting Christmas presents, you're getting all that stuff. Are you catching any snowballs is probably more the question. Are you catching any snowflakes, I should say? If you're catching snowballs, you're having a fight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, there is no snow over here. It's icy, but no snow. Damn. Not at all, actually. That's a shame. When's the last yeah. time you guys had a white Christmas in Sweden? Has it been a few years? Yeah, I don't know. But I saw on Facebook a friend uh, put up a picture with with uh, like one and a half meter maybe on the on the balcony for six years ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the picture was... With all this snow, and he stood in his underwear and making a barbecue. In the snow. That, that's in how snow. a true Viking does it. So you have to stand in your underwear on the balcony in the snow and have a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and look happy. <laughs> was it daytime or nighttime when he took that picture? I think it was night. Oh, well, that says it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, was exactly. a, that was a really, maybe they were just barbecuing hot dogs around like 2 a.m. or something. <laughs> yeah the after party but but there was the after party but I was talking about the barbecues and smoke how is it in in california i heard about the fires yeah yeah you can say that again that's yeah that's a whole other subject um while we're on the, while we're yeah. on that subject i guess it's been as you all know i'm over here in california stefan's still sitting there in sweden and the weather here has been unusually warm we tend to get these these really warm winds that kind of blow offshore they're called santa Ana winds here in california and uh, the area gets really dry and it gets this really warm wind blowing we're already in quite a drought here it's not it's not great everything's just brown and it's a shame because we need rain really bad so all it takes is somebody to uh, awkwardly throw out a cigarette or or some initial thing kicks off a fire you know and in a field somewhere the side of the freeway or something like that and then you end up with um, these massive fires and and the heavy winds i mean the winds are blowing at like 70 up to 70 miles per hour which is like 120 k's or something for you guys and i don't know how many meters per second that is but it's pretty fast and yeah this when these fl flames start burning like that and they start 
getting pretty hot and the wind picks it up and carries these burning ashes and then it spot fires in different places. And we saw so much devastation this last week from the Ventura County area through Ojai right down into uh, the, the, or the just north of L.A. too. Uh, where it's burning there and, and you know, destroying homes, destroying resorts. It's just so sad. And now more recently down in San Diego here, another one has picked up. And it's a shame because even now it's we got a little bit of smoke haze in the air and you can smell smoke here and there periodically. And I'm I'm typically from the L.A. fires that are north of L.A. there. I'm I'm about 75 to 80 miles away from some of these and down in San Diego, I'm almost 100 miles away from those, but we're getting the effects of the, the, the smoke and the smells coming periodically here. So it's just, it's a real shame for all the people that, you know, you you, you can't even imagine their, their lives are completely turned upside down in a matter of minutes from when this fire reaches, uh, you know, their house or their area there and they're evacuated. And then it just, destroys everything their whole family memories and it's all it's all gone and most of them seem to to play a pretty good uh role in it and as as disappointed as they are they on what they've showed on tv some of these people are we, we're always trying to be inspiring here but they they are very inspiring because they're like well what can we do you know it's just one of those things that happens and yeah we've lost everything we got to start again and they put on a real brave face but you know that's it must be so hard yeah, it seems really scary. How, but the community they help help each other, or how does it work? It's been unreal, and in, in times like this, it's that's what's great about people. You know, in general, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. I think the communities come together, and Americans are pretty good like that too. They they tend to, uh, in a time of need or or disaster, they tend to really come together and help each other and. Obviously, the Red Cross is heavily involved, too. So there's been a lot of shelters put up. There's been a lot of people offering, you know, places for people to come and stay that are, that are without homes now and, and trying to get restarted or just regroup, so to speak. So it, it's it's fantastic. But I think the firefighters are the ones you see this all over the Internet and people, you know, just saying how lucky and fortunate we are to have the firefighters. And these guys, they must be working 24 seven nonstop at the moment, just trying to keep things going. And we owe a lot to them. It's, it's quite amazing what they do for us and try to do for us in so many cases. Absolutely. What a, what an amazing work. But the, the area is quite big too. All of the, the fires. Yeah, these fires are, I mean, it's over 100, 150,000 acres that have burned approximately to date and a number of homes, I don't even want to say uh, it's two, they're they're staggering. But the last report was 150 that I saw, and I know it's more than that now, but, uh, you know, (laughs) you can't can't fathom what these people are going through. It's it's awful, and it is scary because we're kind of – in this little circle and you think, Oh, I'm, I'm not in a fire danger area, but you've seen what this fire has done with the winds carrying the ash so far away from one spot to another, it can just pick up on a rooftop somewhere and that kicks off another fire. And if the firefighters can't get to that quick enough, then you can imagine how big these communities are. And there's a lot of everything's built out of wood over here. So, and it's dry. It goes fast. It's, it's a massive setback for a lot of people, you know, and, um, 
those are the kind of setbacks that some people can't recover from, but most of the people seem to be quite positive and hopefully there's enough support out there that they're going to get a a chance to recover and, and try to, you know, just move on. Yeah. Hope everything will be good for all of them. They can find new homes and get help. Exactly. It's yeah. 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 Fingers crossed. And, you know, again, people really do come together. So it is a scary world out there. Be careful with the, with your flames and you're throwing your cigarettes out or, or just playing with fire. It's definitely as you're taught from a young age, you know, you shouldn't play with fire. No, absolutely not. But, um, talking about setbacks, how are you handling setbacks? Setbacks in, in, in my racing, you mean, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> talking. Yeah. From one thing, going to, from, from one thing to another. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can understand. Yeah, for sure. You know, we all have to deal with setbacks in so many different aspects. Um, and looking at this for me, a setback of racing, I, you know, I really can't complain in, in most cases. And this particular setback, you know, <laughs> having a, well, I know we've discussed this already, but talk about setbacks in, in racing and in, in life, you know, gosh, you, you can either just, uh, stick your head in the sand and, and <laughs> just kind of see what happens and, and try to pretend like nothing ever happened. But in some cases it's a matter of digging deep and try to recover. Nobody really, you know, you can't look for pity or sympathy because deep down, all I want to do is get back on the bike and go racing and go win. And, that's what people do. You, you, when you're devoted, you know, it's luckily this is just a setback and I can recover from, and I have the chance and the ability to make a full recovery, which I'm going to do. And I'm going to be back in action in, in the months ahead. So it's a massive mental, mental game, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. In the last episode, we talked about you're always the happy guy that you have the green on and, always positive but this is something that we don't talk about so much the setbacks and how you handle it and how it works because there's just days between races and one day you can have a real setback and then the next day is a new race that's true so you have to handle it quite quick yeah it's you know you don't have time to think you don't have time to adjust or try to figure out a plan. How am I going to do this? Sometimes it's, I almost prefer it like that when you have the next day is something new, whether it's a setback from an injury or it's a setback of a, of a mechanical failure or a technical failure, or just you had a bad day. Those kind of setbacks can be, there's such a wide range of how they can, how can you have to, try to test yourself. And for me, it's almost better to have a race again, as quickly as possible. The the very next day, the very next week, next week is almost too far away. But if you look at it this way too, it's almost like when you, when you fall down on your bicycle as a kid from a young age, if you fall down and you scrape your knee and you, and you get up and you're like, your parents are real, they're always over cautious and trying to protect you. But if they're too overly pitiful and give you too much sympathy, that feels like that, that, that recovery can take so long. 
<laughs> to come back from yeah. it, you know? Otherwise, he can walk down. Hey, it's just a scratch. Get up. Oh, you're okay. No worries. Come, come on. Let's get on the bike again. Get on the bike and get pushing yourself around there. And once they get, if you can manage to get them back on the bike and do another five minutes or 10 minutes or or even, you know, one minute back on the bike and ride around to let them know that, hey, it's okay. It's okay to crash. It's okay to hurt yourself. You know, you can, as long as you can get up and get going, you got to get up and get going and don't waste that valuable play time or that valuable time <laughs> total and, yeah. and get over it. The quicker you can get over it, the better. Otherwise, like anything, like a relationship, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's in the theory, but, but your dad and Wilbur has started to go for, for Speedway. How do you handle that? We have, when he has setbacks and do you do that <laughs> as you said right now or <laughs> or you're the dad that says oh sorry it's a good question because in the situation like uh, Wilbur and I have and of obviously my dad and I too uh, you see this in so many different sports you know whether it's little league football or it's soccer you know your football <laughs> and uh, yeah. anything like that you can see the father sons or the families the parents that they can they can really make life difficult for for their kid and for the team and for the overall experience but my dad was always so good you know if i look back on it now i i was probably such a jerk to him because he never raced himself but he had been around the sport and he knows he just like my wife says about my dad he's like a natural born teacher and kids are so attracted to him because he's so easy going and he just seems to have such a fantastic outlook on on life on dealing with situations you know he just is so positive and so i don't know he just has a natural way of just letting you know hey it's all right no big deal that's how that's how it goes sometimes it's tough but you, next time try like this do like that and just always sees a positive way to get around it. So I've, when I look back on it now and I think we had our tough times and we had at one point where we had to just break away from each other, but he was always quick to come back and hey, that's all right. You fell down and get back up and fix it again. We'll get rolling. And now he's doing the same with, with Wilbur. And I, I, so he's in Wilbur. Yeah. And I just, uh, try to do everything I can to keep him motivated to keep Wilbur, you know, with a good positive frame of mind. And my dad, I, I kind of stepped back and put Wilbur, just push him with my dad to let him go. Cause I can see my dad is getting as inspired with it as Wilbur is. It's almost like my dad is just restarting his, this whole career with me again. And Wilbur has so much respect for him. Whatever grandpa says, he, he's got, his eyes are big, his ears are big and he does it. So he, he trusts grandpa and I don't, I don't understand how that works. Dad's just a natural and I sit back and watch and I learn and I just try to be supportive and just wait for Wilbur to come to me. Cause I don't, with my racing world and I know probably too much and I'm still learning so much, but I don't want to tell him too much unless he asks. And right now I, I'm lapping it up because Wilbur has respect for me too. And he's still, comes to me and asks me questions and why do you do this on the bike and why do you do that and when you go into the corner you ride like this and why do you do that and why does that guy do that so i'm i really love that and i think oh man okay 
I want to answer this in, in a way that I'm talking to another, a kid, a different kid, not my kid and explain it to him. But I can see that he's just a sponge. He is looking for information all the time. So we had, we had this, this case in practicing the other day that dad and I were helping Wilbur to, uh, fix everything up on his bike and get him, get him riding well. And we made a few changes and the track was a little bit hard for, for him to ride. And he made a mistake that, uh, he ended up spinning the thing around and, and he fell down. Not a, not a hard fall, just an easy crash, but he got so frustrated and he was looking for every reason why he crashed rather than, rather than looking that he made a mistake himself, he wanted was looking for a reason that it was something to do with the bike because we, we made changes and, <laughs> and there was people there watching and checking it out, you know, so he got embarrassed and, uh, change the bike back, you know, do this, do that. I don't like it like this. And in the end, I just kind of had to take a deep breath and look at my dad and think, how would he approach this? You know? And he, <laughs> I, I just said, okay, listen, buddy, you know, think, things are different. This track is different now. It's late in the day. It's It's been really dry and it's quite hard packed, real slippery on the outside. And then there's like this blue groove, we call it on the inside where the track is, it starts when the tires are spinning, they, they tend to lay rubber on the track. So you get this, this rubber groove going around where everybody rides all the time. And that can be quite sticky when the tires get hot and like your tire gets like gum when it's really warm, it's really sticky. So when, when that sticky part meets the sticky, the rubber part of the track, it can be a lot of traction. You get a lot of grip and a lot of pull. And then you go off over that part of the track and you go onto the, the loose dry material and it's like ice. So you go from like full grip to full ice and it's pretty hard to recover in, a, in an instant. And he hasn't had that experience yet. So he had that <laughs> just happen to him and he that hit the slick part and he just spun it around and spun it around and ended up on his butt. You know, he didn't get hurt. Nothing happened, but he couldn't figure out why. And he was sure that it was something with the bike. So I had to kind of in a very diplomatic way explain to him that I don't think the changes we made caused you to crash. I just, if you look at the track here and, and, it's like this and it's like that. And if you kick on this part of the track with your tennis shoe, you can feel it's really sticky. But if you kick here on the dirt, it's really slippery. And you went from one extreme to the other and you're, you're not experienced enough yet to understand how to control the bike. So you have to just step back and feel that suddenly that's going to, now you see the difference. You can see there's this big, big black, black, blue kind of dark groove. And then it's like light colored sand on the, on the other side. So you'd see that it's two different tracks in one. So when you're crossing over from one line to the other, you need to be ready for that and think that I have to work the throttle to control the bike very steadily as I, as I move over from the grip to the slick. And, uh, maybe this is hard, hard for some guys to understand if you don't, if you don't ride bikes, but as a drifter, as we are sliders, you, you have to be very controlled with the throttle and, and, uh, that's how you steer the bike. It's not just about going full gas and, and steer it with the handlebars. You play with the throttle because it's controlling the, how much wheel spin you get on the, on the back wheel. So, right, so in cool. a nutshell, he figured it out. And I said, listen, just start over, go really slow, go around the track really slow. Cause it's harder to ride going slow when you know how to ride. It's easier to ride going fast. So let's go back to going slow and go around just outside of that groove a little bit 
and stay away from it and then pull yourself back on it later and you'll see what I mean. And the kids got so much heart and belief and love for the sport that he just, he gritted his teeth and he did what I said. And I, I just kind of stood on the outside and said, go around me. I'll stand right here and just go around me, not full gas, just go at a, an easy pace so you feel comfortable. And in the end, he started to build the speed and build the speed. And then he figured it out and did it so perfect. And the smile on his face when he took his helmet off in the end of the practice was enough for me. So uh, that was the way to get over one quick setback. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how you should do it. Just pass the, the experience forward. You can you can only try, right? And hopefully that the one you're trying to pass it to has the the interest in hearing what you have to say. And many of them just think you're <laughs> you know you're just talking the talk. But the ones and those are the ones who probably aren't looking for that information. They're just bouncing ideas off you. However, you know, in this case, it's it's more of the kid really wanted to learn something and understand. He didn't just fly off the handle. He he wanted to but he found a way to, to grasp mm -hmm. the moment and he fixed it. So that, that gives me hope <laughs> that he's going to, he's going to be good at, you know, dealing with all sorts of situations in the future. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, what is your biggest uh, setback? Can you take one moment or one thing that happened? You know, um, ooh, I don't know to say one, the biggest setback, uh, That's that's hard to say because I, you know, you've been. Or maybe if I if I rephrase it, maybe it's the biggest setback that you that your dad actually helped you with that you can remember that that this was a big thing that my dad told me. Or you know, there's a couple of things that stand out in my mind of setbacks. The racing part, he always tried to explain to me, and now I see it even more today. So I I I have even more respect for dad than I already did. But he always tried to explain things in a certain manner to just to help you. And sometimes, you know, you get so frustrated and I see this in Wilbur, but Wilbur has got a little bit more natural ability to just go, okay, I get it. Where I probably got to the point where <laughs> I'm looking at my dad, like, you know, what do you know? <laughs> and I, I still <laughs> Never yeah, ride exactly. And he's ridden motorcycles, of course, but he had never raced speedway. So I, I, I got to that point where I've been listening to all my heroes tell me, and then my dad's trying to tell me the same thing they are, but because he's my dad, of course, what do you know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> of course, but I, I look at it in that sense that he, he was trying to explain it to me and we had a, we had a few various situations over the years and the hardest One now, when you put it like this, is he always wanted me to be good in school, don't do drugs, don't drink alcohol, and stay focused on what you're doing. And in this case, he I remember one time that we had had a big fight and he didn't like what I was doing outside of the sport. And he basically said, that's it. I'm done. You're on your own. And I'm thinking, what? Oh. And he... Huh. You know, my mom and dad were, were split up at that stage too. And he was like, no, you're on your own. Uh, if you're going to be like that, do it yourself. If you know so much. And that's where my big brother came in. So having him around, he was trying to 
he helped he basically took over and and uh helped me to make sure I got my bikes in line and take care of things on my own at the track and this was in a very short period you know I was in my last year of racing in the five and the 250 and the junior speedway and how old were you 15 so 15. yeah and I remember that was the moment that dad and I had our separation from father son racing in the pits working together sort of a deal and my brother took over and helped me get things going and we we worked it out we figured it out and my dad was still there watching me and supporting but he just wasn't directly in the pits and that was the first setback that I had to learn how to deal with it on my own and rather than just sitting back and you know I just went okay, now I have to figure out how to do this. And if I hadn't had my brother there to help me to understand, because he, you know, he's been through all sorts of stuff being five years older and, and he knows what setbacks are. So he kind of just, well, you know, dad just wants you to do the right thing and he doesn't want you to screw up and he's just trying to teach you, you know? So he didn't do anything wrong. You probably didn't do anything wrong either, but he wants to make sure that you understand that it's not an easy thing to do by yourself. And when you think you know everything, <laughs> suddenly you get a quick slap in the face. So <laughs> uh, I learned, but that made yeah, you learn quick. That, yeah, it, it made you grow, or did it? Did you learn? What was the biggest lesson? I remember it like yesterday. So it, I definitely learned a lesson. So I learned how to. You can't sit back and look for sympathy or pity for one for one reason, and I also learned that. All he was trying to do is and get me to understand that, you know, you can take criticism in one way, you can take it in another way, and you can get angry. And sometimes you shouldn't speak before you think. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, you know, everybody's different and that's okay. However, I probably rattled his cage enough where I, I was uh, gave him the old what do you know kind of thing. And he just went, okay, let's see how much we'll see how much you know <laughs> by yourself. And uh, then you, then you realize, oh, I, actually, I do need dad. <laughs> I need him around. And uh, he was always there after that. But he realized then that, okay, maybe this is the time to, uh, I'll always help. He'll always help me if I ask for it. But he waited for me to ask. And then I always thought, I have to do this by myself. I have to show them I can do this by myself. And that's, and that's where I did. I mean, we're all different, but it worked in many ways. And There's no regrets, and I don't have any. That that was one of the biggest lessons in life for me. Is if it started with a setback, it turned out to be a very, very positive thing, and uh, I thank Dad for that. Oh, that's amazing to hear. But but talking about people that you have around you, all the stuff you have, and the mechanics, and when you have a setback, do they affect you? The well, I I think they of course they do. They affect you in so many ways. And Raphael, my lead mechanic, I have learned so much from him in so many ways. You know, we come from different worlds. He's Polish, and he's you know when I listen to his life stories and how he grew up, and I can't even imagine the way you know we're so different in in the period that he grew up and the period that I grew up in the different worlds. And how hard it is to work and some of the, the crazy setbacks and the, the things that have happened with him around him during his 
his uh, growing up periods, he's had to deal with some setbacks and he's very quick to like, we have to get over this. You can't sit and think about it. You can't dwell on it. You can't be like this. You can't be like that. Cause what's it going to do? What's it going to do for you? You're still going to be sitting here tomorrow and next week and next year and next month or, you know, and then 10 years, if you sit here and just continue to think about it, or you can just get over it and move on and defeat it and be, learn from it, be better. And those are some of the greatest things that I've learned or had them around. So I, of course they've affected me. And I, sometimes you have to go back and realize why you did it like this and did it like that in the hard time. But I, I'm a firm believer from what I've learned there that you, you need to get over things as quick as possible. The the longer you drag them out, the longer it's going to take to recover and then some. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. I have a, I have a hard time to get over things sometimes. Uh, but you said that before to me, so I'm, I'm trying to think about that because you're like, just get over it. Look forward. For sure. And that helps a lot. So that's, yeah. Well, we all got to um, be positive, right? So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Through the negatives, we try to find the positives and find the energy and, and just really move on. So. Did you hear that going on in the background there? That's, didn't that sound like that I was in, in like in the toilet or something? It did, but I didn't know what it was. So I, didn't I have know. to bring it up because I heard it and I was thinking it was you. Did, were you, did you go into the oh. toilet while we were talking? I can't get the big ass mic with me. Because <laughs> this, this could be a real <laughs> setback. You know, I'm trying to find out how to get over the fact of thinking that maybe you just decided to go relieve yourself and then. In the, in the toilet, right in the middle, we're talking about setbacks. And I thought, does he really care what I'm saying right now? He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to the toilet. toilet. And, you, you can just talk. <laughs> no, actually, I think it was my, it was the dishwasher in the background that was draining there. So I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just um, say thank you right now. And go forward and look forward to the next episode. I would say so too. And uh, interesting question there about setbacks. And uh, it's always fun to talk about this stuff because you just uh, remind me of, of all the life experiences. It's, it's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, hey, always great to talk to you. And I'm going to be talking to you a, a heck of a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> thank you all for listening and uh, see you next week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to uh, for for Real Forty Five at iTunes, Acast, Podbean. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Real Forty Five Podcast. And subscribe and rate us, please, because that helps a lot, us a lot. Absolutely, and share and it, guys. You, you got to share that Real Forty Five podcast with all your friends, and we're gonna make it. Uh, we're gonna make it even better as we go. Absolutely. Greg, see you next week. You got it, Stefan. You take it easy. Good talking to you. See you guys, everybody. Have a great week. Keep it sideways and grin to win. Grin to win.
Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out, yeah. Today is a new day, let's seize it now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life, yeah. Share my story with you, inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live, I keep episodes on replay, ayy. Real 45, yeah, Real 45, show them how we do it, man, yeah.